0: Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and this is the second of two missionary interviews as part of my uh, current class. I'm in a class on intercultural ministry, for those of you who are dropping in for the first time, learning about how There are different cultures around the world, different worldviews, different perspectives, and what better way to get some insight into what those different cultures look like and also what God is doing around the world than to talk to a couple missionaries. And today I have an old college buddy of mine, Nate Harley, is here to talk to us about missions in Uruguay. So, Nate, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. I want you to know this is a uh, a historic episode because the, you are the first international guest. I am recording right. this in my frozen home in northwest Indiana, and you are in Uruguay right now. What's the weather like in Uruguay?
1: Currently? Yes, it's starting to get toasty. Well, congratulations on your first international call. It's a big deal. Oh, thank you. Uh, but yeah, with it being in the southern hemisphere, we have the opposite seasons. So yeah getting warm.
0: Uh it has snowed for the past 48 hours here. Very light. So we only have like half an inch of snow at the moment. Maybe an inch by the time this is all done. But yeah, we're we're like in full winter mode
1: right now. Wow, but you're just quick. now getting into summer, huh? Yeah, yeah. November is pretty
0: early to be getting into it like that. Yeah. Yeah, we usually have like flurries here and there. Thanksgiving is always nasty. Yeah, in yeah. Northwest Indiana. It's always cold and gross, but like the amount of time it has snowed the past couple days, yeah, it's, it's that's not normal.
1: Yeah, this anyway. Like, in, in Ohio, it feels like uh, our Christmases are always brown. <laughs> They're not white, and then we have like uh, white Easter and white Thanksgiving. I'm not sure why that is, but
0: yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Christmas is always real green around here, but you know, it could snow on Easter. It snowed on my birthday before at the end of March. It yeah. <laughs> the Midwest is weird.
1: It is. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes.
0: It does. All right. Well, let's jump right into this. So, Nate, you are a missionary in Ur- Uruguay serving with SIM. Why don't you tell us a little bit what is SIM and what are you doing in Uruguay?
1: Great questions. Um, so I'm, first of all I'm originally from Ohio. I mentioned that already. Um, so yeah, we went to your college, Grace College, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, married to been married to Luisa for almost three years. She's Uruguayan, which is cool. Um, so that's one of the great reasons to stay at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, SIM or SIM, it's you know it's a missions organization. Um, I think they have four thousand workers around the world. Um, But first of all, S.I.M. actually doesn't stand for anything anymore. That's the first question that that you get. Um, It started as Sudan Interior Mission in 1893 or something like that. Um, But since it's all over the world now, the letters don't officially mean anything. But, yeah, the main distinctives of of S.I.M. really speak to my heart specifically. Um, I think two major parts of S.I.M.'s identity that set it apart. Are its emphasis on uh, multicultural teams. So Sim workers are—we say we're in seventy different countries, and we're also from seventy different countries. Okay. So yeah, Sim works to to make receiving offices into sending offices, if that makes sense. Um, so okay. I think that's super cool. Sim really uh, it's led the way, kind of in that shift away from the historic reality of, uh, you know, missions are from from the West to the rest kind of thing. So, okay, sure. Yeah. So in, in my case on the the Uruguay, SIM am Uruguay team, I'm the only gringo. I'm the only full American. <laughs> um, everyone else is from a different Latin American country. So yeah, that obviously has many advantages when it comes to seeing things in different ways. Sure.
0: So I'm a, first off, I remember that joke from when couple years ago when you were raising support you were like yeah these letters don't mean anything anymore i I remember though that it it, it started with sudan right that was like Mm -hmm. the original point okay um so you're talking about how this is like a a multicultural approach not the the west going to the rest kind of a colonization looking approach Mm -hmm. to mission work but rather getting into the culture and working with the culture and the people there so uh, would it be safe to say this is just my assumption? I don't know how this works at all. How do you how do you do that? Is that like discipleship? How you like build that core group of people to then reach the rest?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. I would say so. I mean, really, not only are we in a different uh, culture, but like everyone on the team is, is can be from yeah, many different places. So you have the dynamic of trying to um, contextualize yourself in the last one things to. Where you are, the the average um, local person, but also yeah, you're working on a team of people that are um, see things differently or um, they relate to to people differently. They have different methodologies. So I think number one, it's recognizing that it's a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the best thing is to recognize the what you have in common, the essentials. Um, like we have this mm-hmm. common mission, and it's super important, obviously, to have humility um, to recognize that you mm-hmm. something may seem like uh, an absolute or um, yeah, this is definitely the way it is, or even may feel like a biblical truth that if you look through the pages, you, you might not find it actually is an American sure. thing or whatever. And so, um, yeah, humility is the biggest thing I think.
0: Okay. I, I was going to ask you this question, but you're already, I was going to ask you this question later on, but you're already kind of knocking at the door. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this now. We'll come back to other stuff in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that co- has come up in this class is that when it comes to cultures and the gospel, there are times when the, the gospel confronts the culture. You know, Like mm-hmm. you said, you turn through the pages and whatever the culture is doing is not actually there. And so the, co- the gospel confronts culture. But there are also times where cultures apply scripture differently. Not that, not in an incorrect way, but just different from how we here in the U.S. would apply scriptures. I mean, even in the U.S., you find different applications. In your yeah. experience in Uruguay, have you? How have you seen the gospel confront the culture? And also, where have you seen times when the gospel, when scripture is just applied differently there in Uruguay?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting. Couple of questions. I mean, first of all, it's it's one of the more uh, challenging ones. It's more of an art than a science to try to figure out um, where it confronts mm-hmm. and, and where it can um, fit into what a culture is already. Um, so I think even if we were to stop and analyze our own, like you said, um, mm-hmm. we can we can recognize that certain things just really uh, don't don't mix well with with Jesus' uh, paradigm, and yet uh, things like other things um, actually can be used to understand. The gospel from a different angle and maybe there are different angles to the same truth hmm. um so like you said might be different ways of applying but it's the same meaning so I think sure um one thing that I've learned a lot from Uruguayan Christians that um is maybe harder to instill in American Christians and of course we're going to talk about a lot of generalities but uh yeah in general Latin America people are more uh, collectivist I guess and um very community oriented it's very slowed mm-hmm. down, um, like the pace of everything is slowed down. So I'd say like um, in the U.S., in churches, in my experience, you really try to get people to like stay after the service and have coffee and interact. And, and I'm sure and it happens to an extent, of course. Um, but in, in our mm-hmm. context, that's like that's why people come to church and the service is like mm-hmm. it's, it's fine. But really, people will stay for a ton of time afterwards, just interacting. And that's what church is. Interesting. Literally, and that's what we always preach in the US like, this is what church is, it's people and all this stuff, it's not just the service. Mm -hmm. Um, and here that just they just get that you don't really have to beat people over the head with that one. Interesting, that's
0: interesting, you know, and and you are right, that is getting people to stay afterwards for coffee or whatever, or you know, trying to get people plugged into small groups, life groups, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, that can be like trying to pull teeth. For some people speaking generally, right. but and I
1: think in your context, uh, sorry, go ahead.
0: that's just what you do. That's just what you do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say the other major difference that I've noticed that connects with that is just, um, I guess in the U S typically older people, let's say um, they enjoy just sitting and visiting. That's like the activity just sit and visit. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas here in Uruguay, that's everybody from young to old. That's what they like to do. And that can be very oh. challenging. Yeah, for an American, because we're very activity-oriented, I've realized, being here. Like, you know, we say, yeah, mm-hmm. let's go play spike ball on the beach. Let's go play, you know, Settlers of Catan. Like, you would get together for that thing, and we'd do it. Uh, here, mm-hmm. you might say we're going to do that. Like, yeah, let's go down and play this. But then everyone just ends up getting in a circle and chatting, and they just talk for hours. And these are young people. Oh. So it's it's very bizarre, and it takes some getting used Interesting. to it um it can be frustrating if you're like waiting to play the game you you know supposedly supposed to be playing but yeah it's it's very cool though and that so it goes to what you were saying like being in a small group and interacting it just seems to come more natural
0: that's interesting yeah i could see the frustration of if you were told you're going to play settlers of catan and then you ended up sitting and talking. Although, personally, I wouldn't mind that. I I like the groups that's like, hey, we're just going to hang out and talk for a while. That's good. You you would have a good time down here then. Oh, good. I should come down sometime. Yeah. So let's let's back up a little bit here. You know, uh, a couple years. How long have you been there, by the way?
1: I've actually been here for over five years now.
0: Over five years. That's what I thought. Okay. So... A little over five years ago, you and I, we met up at a kind of emo, hot topic looking coffee shop in Valparaiso, Indiana. All the listeners in Valpo, you know, Fluid. Um, Great name. Too. And you were talking to me. What was, what'd you say? Great name, too. It is. It is. I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into at a yeah. coffee shop called Fluid. Um, we met up there because you were certain the support raising process. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the need. Why? Mm-hmm. Why Uruguay? And I want you to tell us all why. Why you know of all the places in the world, why what stood out to you about Uruguay? I'm sure you had some type of conviction of the Holy Spirit to go out there. But what's the spiritual need? Why were you drawn to go this direction?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, originally I didn't come to Uruguay entirely on purpose, which is not uncommon. <laughs> um mm. basically you know part of my intercultural studies program there at grace i needed to take a semester with a missions organization so yeah pick sim and gave them my top three choices basically uh looking okay. at the country profiles on their site so i put like chile paraguay and then uruguay last because the profile was all about how it was like super hard soil it's like the graveyard of missions super atheistic mm. widespread mental health issues like all this stuff and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's above my pay grade as a 20-year-old. So, like, someday that'd be good when I'm, like, more equipped. But mm-hmm. in, you know, God's plan and his providence, it just so happens that the other two places could only take someone for a year or more for some reason. But Uruguay mm-hmm. was open to anything, so that's where I ended up. But, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I came back after graduation because I honestly think it's the perfect place to be a missionary right now, like in history. Okay. Yeah. I think there's, because you have the two realities of this huge need that you mentioned, and it's also pretty stable and pretty safe. I mean, uh, there's no Hmm. like physical persecution or risk of, you know, to being a Christian or sharing about it. Um, Okay. But yeah, but I was particularly motivated by the fact that Uruguay has the highest percentage of non-religious in the Western hemisphere. So that's more than Canada. Mm. Um, half the population identifies as atheist or agnostic. And wow. um, yeah, for a Latin American country, you know, you typically think um, Catholicism is going to be a big deal, but even that sure. doesn't have much of an influence here. Uh, only 2% of Catholics mm-hmm. actually attend mass. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, the evangelical or Protestant uh, church is, is very small, like 6 to 8%. So I think that, that, uh, coupled with uh, Uruguay has the highest yearly depression and suicide rate in all of Latin America it doubles the the international average so wow. yeah, as you can imagine covid isolation uh, did not help with that either but those oh are some goodness. of the negative yeah those are some of the, the negative re- realities i guess that motivate me to be here in addition to you know <laughs> it, otherwise having many positives that make it a nice place to be but
0: sure yeah, I remember when we were sitting there talking, you uh, mentioned that it's the graveyard of missions. And it is is—it is fascinating to hear, you know, we I live here in the U.S. It's a very Christian type of country, you know. Don't want to say that the United States is a Christian country, but, you know evangelicalism is widespread across the country. And there's other places as well that is just like very high concentrations of some form of Christianity. But to be in a place, it just sounds so old. I don't know. That's not the right word. I, I don't think it's the right word, but it's, it's so different to hear of a place where it's right. so small. The percentage of Christians, Catholics represented in a country being so small in a place like you said where you may assume it's actually very vibrant at least with like catholics or pentecostals type of environment that's hmm.
1: yeah it's it is very interesting it's super different compared to the other countries around it um but in a positive sense you kind of have a blank slate with people like they a lot of people don't have any experience at all with church or christians whereas in other places you kind of have to you know dig down and kind of um, unlearn things or you know people have some negative experiences obviously um in the US um in church sure. you know, when they're in when they're younger so i think that is one positive i guess <laughs> to the negative situation
0: yeah that is, again that is that is a unique situation to be in of one of the few places where you have a you have a clean slate to work with you don't have to unlearn things like you said there's not persecution happening in these areas it's just you get to go in and work
1: so yeah, what is I've, that work that you're oh go ahead no i was just gonna make a comment that i just realized See, i mentioned it was i heard that it was the graveyard of missions and i remember saying that once to someone and they misunderstood me that that i was saying the graveyard of missionaries um i think that's a great <sighs> distinction actually that's like actually it's yeah it's like, okay. super safe uh it's just the gospel itself is not uh, well like
0: <laughs> interesting and you said that the alternative is mostly atheist or some form of agnosticism it's mm-hmm. not like Islam or I don't even know some type of animistic religion but just atheism in general
1: yeah it's correct that atheism in general however um, just like in the states there's certain um, animistic or eastern uh, or new age type religions that are that kind of are catching so it's interesting that people that will identify as agnostic or atheist will dabble and and believe in the crystals and the energies and the different things like that. So that is interesting. Okay. But that was a that was a fascinating conversation in the class
0: as well about why why is why does animism, new age, spiritualism, why does that have such staying power? You would think that would be, you know, paganism you would think is like some barbaric, but it's alive and thriving in even the most developed of
1: places, you know? Yeah. And it's like people will believe in anything to not believe in Jesus. True. That's Especially in some form of like
0: paganism where it's less submitting yourself to divine authority. We'll just put it blank general statement like that. It's mm-hmm. less submission to divine authority and more uh, I'm trying to control The supernatural you know yeah sure so what is the work that you're doing down there you know you you mentioned you're the only gringo in the group so what what are you doing with everybody else
1: well um my primary role is as associate pastor at a local church that it's about half Uruguayan and half people from all over the world so there's like 20 some different countries so that's that's pretty cool we cool. do things in both spanish and english because of that and yeah yes. we're actually the the only church in the city that has that english component so it makes it pretty significant for um, people that arrive and that's our world okay. very global um so yeah i mean small church small staff so i do a little bit of everything i came in uh directing the, the worship uh, i'm in the preaching rotation you know uh, organizing courses and groups and pastoral care and all that stuff it's, it's a long list of stuff, but yeah, people, Okay, uh, small churches will, will understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure.
0: So even at, you know, talking about the small percentage of Christians out there, we're not, you're not like building a church or, you know, translating the Bible into another language. There is a church, you're an associate pastor, you're doing small church role, mm-hmm. basically.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's it's not the it's not the jungle. Um, however, I mean, like a a good sized church here is on, we're only talking about a couple hundred people is like that's called a big church, right? So ours is about a hundred, and so it's like some churches, you know, house churches, of course, would consider us a bigger church here in Uruguay. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's right.
0: You know, a hundred people, based off of those stats you were given earlier, that sounds like a lot of good work going though.
1: You know, it's it's really awesome. I really have enjoyed. Um, cause I come from a pretty big church in, in Worcester, Ohio, and, um, mm-hmm. I, I can appreciate aspects of both, of course, but I really appreciate, I like being on a staff where like the pastoral care is like the core of what we do. And it's very, you know, one-on-one and personal and yeah, feels like bite-sized. <laughs>
0: nice. Nice. So you, you mentioned earlier, you've been there now five ish years what were some of the, you mentioned uh, a few being in this environment where it's more collective, you know, people saying, let's play Settlers of Catan, and then you just sit around and talk and, yeah. you know, hang out that way. What were some other cultural differences that you had had to adjust to, maybe you're still adjusting to over the past few years?
1: Sure. Um, well, first of all, you have to get used to uh, things like, um, personal space, like greeting with the side kiss. So, you know, thankfully oh. it's not actually a kiss on the cheek. You just put your cheek against theirs and make the sound. Um, but yeah, that oh. takes a lot of getting used to it at first, of course, because it's even with men with men. So you got to, you know, make sure your beard is well oiled. So you're <laughs> not freaking <laughs> people out too much. Um, yeah. And that and just uh, sharing mate. They, their drink is mate, not coffee. So it's like a okay. strong herbal tea in a gourd, and they have like a metal straw. But they cool. have one for the whole group, and they pass it around. You you take mm-hmm. your slurp, and you you pass it back. So some of those things, uh, yeah, it takes some getting used to at first. But yeah, who
0: did? Up? Oh no,
1: go ahead, finish. No, I just had another idea. I was thinking about um, just how like I think the most significant cultural value for a Uruguayan is privacy. And that's something I learned later mm. like, as, I, as I went along. Um, for example, if I, let's say I'm running a, doing a band practice or something and, you know, I have you scheduled to come and you're not able to for some reason, the American would expect you to say, hey, I, you know, you text me, you say, I'm not able to come and you give the reason, like I'm sick, mm-hmm. I had to go do this thing, whatever. Um, that's mm-hmm. like respecting. It feels like I'm respected because you like explained, and it feels like you didn't want to miss. But a Uruguayan, they'll just say, "Hey, uh, I can't come." They say "se me complicó," it's like it just got complicated on me. Like it's okay. not even my fault. And I just say that, and they don't say the reason. Uh, so at first, it's like, man, like our my cultural assumption is that you know they don't really care uh about Mm -hmm. what i'm trying to do but for them it's an issue of privacy so like if i were to be like hey what happened it's like hey you know that's my thing there's a reason i didn't say the reason um sure i think think that's that was very interesting to learn along the way and adjust to under you know understand their logic
0: i uh, i want to say something to that first before i go to my other question i think it's so fascinating going through this class, looking at, we've done a lot of comparisons between American and uh, Eastern cultures, Japanese, Cor- uh, South Korea, mm-hmm. things like that. And when you do these comparisons, you see these moments where it seems like the culture in its, in of itself is contradicting itself. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it interesting that you live in such a, a collective area that, you know, they literally pass a drink around. For everyone to indulge, but you have this privacy element that's very interesting. You, it, to me, I would more so ex- assume that it's like they tell you their whole life story because you know we're all part of this group together. Yeah, but yep. instead you just get it's complicated.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's really uh, interesting that you point that out. I was uh, thinking about that as well. Just uh, that that aspect, of the privacy, and yet yeah, it's collective um and yeah and also there's this issue of i mentioned obviously depression being a major issue here so people tend Mm -hmm. to isolate themselves and yet that seems to be a contradiction with what i said earlier right that people like to be in groups and they're all about community and interacting and so yeah there's it is interesting to notice um some of those things i think there's the gospel can cut in to to that middle i think Mm
0: -hmm. yes yes i think that one the gospel could encourage of like yeah you're you're doing well you're supposed to be gathered together but you also have this challenge of bearing one another's burdens and like it's okay to be open about these other difficulties and i i tip my hat to you because i would not know how to bridge that in a context where it's it's complicated that's it right yeah the other no, thing but, I wanted, another thing I was going to ask you was um, going back to passing the the drink around or greeting one another with a kiss. How did COVID affect the all that? Hmm. I can't imagine it did well.
1: Well, that it was very bizarre to see, and yeah, I mean, you had to, you had to cut all of that out. So people switched mm-hmm. to the fist bump or you know the elbow, or whatever. Um, and mate was basically, that uh, was shut down. And so, that, yeah, like, those are two major parts of their culture. So it was very sad and people mentioned and, and transitioning back to uh, normal life was even worse because then you didn't know, I'm sure you experienced that to an extent, but you didn't know what to do. You, you'd lean in <laughs> for the kiss or you'd give them the elbow or whatever. So we, had, we still have some awkward interactions, I guess, with certain people. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was sad to see. It was sad to see because those are two aspects that I think bring them warmth and closeness and mm-hmm. know, that's that's one of the and that has you know happened all over the world this that forced isolation um really had some some negative effects on on mental health and isolation mm-hmm. so like like i mentioned that's it like fed into things that people already uh, tended towards so if they already isolated themselves and it just like you know it incurs that even more. But then for the people that mm-hmm. love the warmth and the, like I said, the share, it was, uh, yeah, pretty challenging.
0: Sounds like it. Is there, um, is there like a need for counselors, mental health counselors down there? Is that like a, a thing that needs to happen is counseling being brought into the church environment? How would that work? Or do you think that would even work?
1: Absolutely. Brandon, that's like, that would be a dream. Yeah, that's okay. arguably the need um, because mm. the, as, again, the church is so small here. So then the people that are um, trained or equipped or, you know, to do uh, biblical counseling, uh, it's very, very few. Like I have mm. maybe two or three people that I can recommend uh, max to, to people. And because obviously it's going to be a different experience, um, a, a Christian a biblical counselor versus um, Your run-of-the-mill again, atheist, agnostic um, therapist, or whatever, and obviously that's okay. that can be super helpful. But there are also some some damaging um, practices that we've noticed and anecdotally here. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be amazing. Um, we actually uh, 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 praises that we received a family this year, a missionary family, um, where mm-hmm. uh, the guy Dave, he's a um, biblical counselor, and So, yeah, that's that's actually one of the the other main uh, motivations, I guess, for being here as a missionary for me is um, there's no question that there's a need for outside Christian workers, if it makes sense, Um, because not only to do stuff, but to train. Whereas, you know, some places like Africa, different places where you wonder, like, well, is it worth, you know, is it more worth it to to send resources, you know, like, okay, so that would be um, great. Answer to prayer.
0: Well, then we will definitely be praying about that. Myself, my wife, uh, the great audience that is listening to this episode right now will definitely be praying about that because that sounds like one of the biggest needs that you all have down there. And hopefully the Lord will soon send somebody with that training or start sending you resources to get you all better trained up, whatever needs to happen there. Amen. Is there anything else you would like to share with us about, the, about your life there in Uruguay, your missions? Anything else you'd like to share with us?
1: I mean, there's plenty more, but I think that's okay for now.
0: Okay. Well, uh, if that's the case, then let's go ahead and start wrapping this episode up. Nate, if somebody wanted to support you or along with praying for you, we're just going to assume that we're all going to be praying for you now. If anybody wanted to support you, how would they be able to do that?
1: Yeah, so thank you in advance for the prayers, of course. And then, yeah, if you wanted to support financially, you could go to simusa.org/give and you just search Nate Harley. And it should be easy from there.
0: Awesome. I will put a link for that in the description of this episode, so that way, if you would like to, if you would like to uh, support Nate. You can do that. You can also find links for all the other usual stuff that's in there. The My Seminary Life website, shop, all that stuff. Forget about that stuff right now. If you're looking to support a missionary, you you should consider supporting Nate or Jamie from last week. Forget about my t-shirts for a minute. Just give your money to somebody who needs it. Um, Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thank you, Nate, again, for coming out and doing this. Coming out, I'm calling you over the phone. <laughs> um, but I appreciate you, man. I'm really hoping to see you here. I know you've got a uh, sabbatical coming up here uh, December through March. So hopefully we'll be able to connect. You can meet Cooper, who is crying. I don't know if you can hear that in the background right now. But he it's bath night, so okay. might need to go out there and help. <laughs> I, I like to end every episode, Nate. Whenever I have a guest on, I like to end it asking the guest a a fun question that really has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. Okay. So my question for you is: When you're coming home here shortly, what is like the meal that are that you're looking forward to the most? I'm sure the food there in Uruguay is great, but what's like? What are some usa wooster ohio food that you're looking forward to getting
1: great question the food is good here but maybe it's embarrassing but definitely taco bell that's my first stop i knew you were gonna say taco bell (laughs) (laughs) We don't have that here at all or anything close so yeah well that's another thing we'll be praying for that
0: taco bell shows up in uruguay Uh, (laughs) we need the gospel
1: and taco bell that's what we need
0: that's that's what you need All right. Well, thanks again for being here, Nate. Thank you all for listening to this episode. And remember, theology is for everybody, so keep on studying.